thanks for tuning in to this episode of Metrosite. I'm Beth Schultz, Vice, Vice President of Research and Principal Analyst at Metrogy. And with me today is Steve Hamrick. Steve is the uh, Vice President of Product Management at Slack, which is a Salesforce company. Now, Slack was one of the earliest providers of team collaboration, really helping to popularize the idea of persistent team chat that is in widespread use within the enterprise uh, today. I invited Steve here to talk about Slack, not only from a collaboration perspective, but also for its importance in driving a positive employee experience. So welcome, Steve. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Great. Um, so let's start with a little bit of a, a background. How long have you been at Slack? You know, what's your main focus there? I've been at Slack for almost four years, which I cannot believe. It's gone by in a blink. And my main focus is to look after uh, enterprise product management. So in my role, I really work with our enterprise customers to understand how to adopt Slack in a way that's transformative and the most value possible for uh, medium and large size enterprises. Okay, so with that in mind, how do you see companies thinking about Slack in relation to providing a good employee experience? So I think most customers know Slack for what you mentioned off the bat, right? They think of it as a platform for messaging amongst both individuals and teams. And certainly that is one of the central values that Slack provides. And I think any good modern workplace experience needs to have collaboration as sort of the central experience. Slack in particular, our focus has been, how do we help you share and search knowledge across the entire organization? So for most organizations that adopt Slack, they're actually looking at it as a company-wide knowledge base. Uh, and so that's definitely the centerpiece, right? But uh, what's most important, I think now, where most organizations are thinking about how do they get more value out of Slack, but more value out of their workplace experience tools and how do they do more with less is all about automations and how do they allow and afford their employees the ability to tailor the work that they're doing on a daily basis. I think the last few months worth of uh, economic conditions have forced all of us into this position of um, not having the luxury of doing the same amount of work with the same amount of resources we had previously. And so everything that companies can do to help make their employees more efficient by allowing them to automate the way they do their work is really valuable. And for Slack, that also means being able to bring together all the applications that you use on a daily basis into one single experience, which is true for most medium or large size organizations. Most employees are swimming in applications. They're trying to navigate mm -hmm. between five or six different applications that's requiring their attention. And sometimes just next steps that are incredibly mundane, right? Just press a button and the actual next step happens. There's very little that you have to do in that experience. And that's uh, something that Slack brings to bear with our app ecosystem and our platform, allowing you to do those lightweight, uh, easy to do customizations and workflows. And then the last category is pretty interesting. And that is, as we've gone back to this, uh, now for most organizations, return to office or some form of hybrid work, there's been a realization of things that we learned during the pandemic about how to apply some of these technologies like we're using now to communicate like voice and video in a way that deals with the realities of office work. And that is most people don't actually work physically next to each other. So this whole concept for most enterprises of return to office in a lot of cases means you're still on the opposite side of a building from somebody, or you're probably in a different floor, or maybe you have a different building entirely. You might be in a different time zone. Mm -hmm. So Slack's really focused on how do we allow you to connect and engage with everybody in this new sort of hybrid world and in this world where in a lot of cases, you just want that quick uh, interaction with your colleague, right? It's not a replacement for those in-person moments that do definitely matter and being able to get into a meeting room occasionally is certainly important. But sometimes you just want to have that quick five-minute uh, conversation and do it over voice and video. And that's something that Slack also brings to bear. It's just to allow you to connect and engage everyone, no matter if they're inside or outside your organization or if they're working in the same office location or a different physical location from you. 
I'm curious with all that said, you know, over the years, we've heard this term sort of digital workplace yeah. hub or workspace hub or connected workspace. Um, is that, it, you know, and we have talked about Slack in terms of team collaboration, but is that sort of where you're gravitating towards as a sort of that broader um, space? It's been where our customers have also been pulling us. And it's been really interesting for me because my heritage and history is all in portals and then enterprise social networks. And I've watched this evolution where yeah, certainly intranets and internet platforms are still, they have their place in organizations, but the center of gravity for where work is happening is happening more increasingly in places like Slack because that's where people's attention is, right? That's where they're spending their time. And there is really no job anymore. Uh, very few knowledge worker jobs, especially where somebody's sitting at a desk with a computer, where at some point in the day, you don't have to collaborate with someone else to get your work done. And so I think that's why uh, the gravity has changed from intranets and portals being through that experience to bring together those applications to uh, a solution like Slack, where we're bringing together the real-time collaboration aspects with automation and integration to applications. Okay. Now, you had mentioned return to office and what that really means. But of course, what um, you know preceded return to office was work from home. And, yeah. and one of the things that we sort of, I think, kind of bubbled up during that period was you know, the idea that these collaboration apps really are the source of a lot of behavioral data. And you know, if you can understand how um, employees are engaging with those applications, you can sort of complement what you know from more traditional employee engagement data and get sort of a, a more well-rounded view of the employee, maybe help with you know, productivity, well-being, or what have you. Um, so I'm wondering at a, at a basic level, what kind of insight can companies get from Slack about how employees are behaving throughout the day and then what kind of effect um, that may have on their experience with the company? So I've certainly seen this in kind of roughly three major categories of sophistication when it comes to using uh, what insights and analytics that Slack provides. So I'd say level zero is where you're just using Slack's insights to manage the day in, day out, manage channels, manage applications, you know, manage the overall content to keep that well organized. And that's sort of level zero, very basic sophistication, mostly around administration. Then level one uh, is sort of in the middle where now you're actually looking at uh, how are people using Slack? So are they using it in direct messages primarily? Are they using it channels? Is it public channels versus private channels? Uh, are they connecting across the organization? So are people actually breaking down silos because they're working in Slack? And then that, that third tier of, of sophistication is now where you're thinking about how, what return on investment am I getting from the investments that I'm making in my uh, Slack experience, right? So I'm, I'm bringing all these applications in, I'm bringing all these automations and workflows. I'm encouraging folks to break down silos across the organization and look at Slack increasingly as this company-wide knowledge base. And then what kind of return on investment am I getting? So some of the insights that we provide out of the box, as an example, are your app dashboard that tells you all about the apps that people are using, how they're using them, in what context, uh, what triggers or application functions they're using. That's going to give you way more insight and be able to do that direct correlation between the investments that you're making and the work that people are doing and what the outcomes are on the other side. There's probably one level beyond that, which is I've seen customers actually take all these metrics, which we all supply in the baked in dashboard experience, but also in an API experience, mm -hmm. and bring that to a separate outside BI system. Because in a lot of cases, if you really want to delve a level further into sophistication, you've got to understand you know, what uh, metric you were trying to move. So it might've been what my sales pipeline looked like. Was I driving uh, better... Uh, results from a sales perspective and opportunity close rate because I was leveraging Slack for account management. If I'm doing development processes in Slack, 
Am I delivering new features with less uh, bugs at a faster rate, right? All of those things are things you're going to typically need uh, data from the transactional system to tell you about, whether that's your backlog management system or your CRM uh, or something entirely different. So those those last two levels, those highest levels, it almost seems a little bit too idealistic or maybe pie in yep. the sky, right? So yep. you know, what are you finding in terms of how IT leaders or whoever it is that's making the buying decision around Slack, you know, what are they asking about at this point? Do they understand that, that kind of the value that can come out of it in that way? Um, yeah. Or are we still in a, in a sort of a, I say less sophisticated, but they're not really thinking about that um, on that level at, at this point. Yeah, um, I would say in a lot of cases, they're in that first, somewhere in that first two categories, right? Not quite level at the level three or above where, they're really thinking about uh, blending their metrics with uh, adoption metrics or um, KPIs from the rest of the business. Most of the time, it's pretty much at the, okay, how do I manage this thing? How am I going to manage it in production? How am I going to delegate the administration of it? How am I going to make sure that I'm keeping it well curated for the, my lines of business that are using it? Uh, and sometimes it's in the middle. Like They may have very, very specific, but very generic mandates, right? Those generic mandates could be as an example, uh, I've talked to companies that are comprised of a lot of acquisitions. In a lot of cases, there's a company top-down mandate to make sure that those acquisitions become more cohesively a part of the main organization. Mm -hmm. In which case, the thing I mentioned earlier, looking at you know who's collaborating with whom, uh, how are those channels being able to being used in a way that actually helps you break down those organizational silos? Uh, all of those things are things they're going to start looking at uh, from the reports that we provide out of the box, and that's something that they will think about even during the buying cycle. But it tends to be more on the 30,000 foot view rather than, okay, now we've got a very specific use case within sales, service, marketing, you know, finance, operations, HR, where we can, we definitely know that we need these specific metrics to be merged with these specific outcomes. Sort of all wrapped up with understanding, or I would imagine wrapped up in understanding what, you know, what the, um, you know, the, the business's digital workplace goals are Correct. and understanding how to make um, Slack fit within that. Absolutely. I know we had talked earlier, Steve, and you and and when we did, you talked about the danger of using usage analytics as a surrogate for business yeah. value. Can you um, explain to our audience um, a little bit about what you meant there? Yeah. So one of the things I've definitely seen as a pitfall is getting stuck or stalled out at that second level because you're looking at the usage metrics and they might be telling you a story that's sort of incomplete in part because you're not able to match that with qualitative uh, information, or maybe you're not doing the next level down of actually trying to draw the, the, the dotted line between the usage and the actual business outcomes. And what I mean by that is sort of the scourge of the status quo, I've called it. Uh, mm -hmm. You might just have lifted and shifted processes you were doing previously in email where you were just kind of instantly firing off an email to somebody else and it was completely siloed. And all of the time it took is reduced, yes, because it's real time. And yes, there's adoption. And yes, you're seeing people send messages to each other but you're not really stepping back and thinking, was this the most efficient way for the work to flow in my organization? And so you can sort of fall into this pitfall of, well, the usage metrics look good. Ergo, I don't need to do anything to go a step further in the way I'm deploying this and the way I'm thinking about these use cases, because from my point of view, as a sort of IT owner of this infrastructure, it looks like it's well-used, which is generally true, uh, but knowing what it's used for, getting some of that qualitative data to merge with some of the quantitative data you're getting out of our dashboards and reports can be a really useful way to sort of gut check whether or not the kinds of usage you're seeing are leading to the transformations and the outcomes that you really want. It's all about getting those um, business metrics, uh, you know, knowing whether you're succeeding. So that's great. 
Um, we also had talked earlier about a couple of more recent SLAC offerings, one service warming and more, most recently sales elevate. So give us a high level overview of those and then um, kind of the general strategic approach that Slack has for them. So service warming has actually been out for a couple quarters now, and it's been one of the fastest adopted Slack and Salesforce scenarios. And in part, we just really identified an immediate market need. So most service organizations were looking for ways to improve the quality of their customer service and to reduce the number of handoffs. Typically handoffs happen when you have a tiered support model, or you maybe have a tier one, tier two, tier three agent. And every time the ticket gets more complex or there's more information that an agent needs, you tend to pass that off from stage one to stage two. And in some cases, there might be subject matter experts in the organization that can help expedite that service request that don't traditionally or typically use Service Cloud. So when we spoke with our customers, we interviewed them, we, we diagrammed the scenario of being able to kick a ticket out to a working group within Slack. And we call that a service ticket swarm. And those swarm members could be agents, they could be uh, other employees, maybe they're subject matter experts or technical experts that are helping to expedite the, the completion of that uh, actual ticket. And important important part of that was actually baking in metrics along with service ticket swarming. So part of what you get from Salesforce is a nice set of dashboards that actually shows you, okay, I did use Slack for swarming. Here's how that actually led to a reduction, for example, in the typical amount of time that takes me to resolve a ticket. Uh, here's how you know, the number of tickets that this swarm is able to address or answer. All of those key metrics and information that you're gonna care about to show that yes, uh, doing swarming was a faster way and a better way that led to better outcomes from a customer perspective. On the sales side, Sales Elevate's brand new. It's something we just introduced uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the goal there was, as we talked to uh, folks who are using Slack for sales today, already today, you can use Slack uh, in conjunction with uh, Sales Cloud to do things like account uh, management. So you could do a team-based account management with channels that are mapped to account records inside of Salesforce. You can do uh, opportunity management as well. You can also do things like uh, automate approval processes. So if you've got like a red line contract process that you've got to go through, you can use Slack and the workflow builder to automate that. And you can also work with your customers, both uh, outside the uh, Slack via Slack Connect. And the one thing that we've heard from the sales reps was, hey, this is a great step forward, but now we've got a new problem. Now we've mapped uh, hundreds of account objects, especially because some of these reps maybe cover 25, 30, 100 accounts being able to keep on top of everything that's going on in Slack that requires your attention became really challenging. Well, we also looked at some of the things that reps were doing on a daily basis. We found 72% of their time was actually spent on administrative overhead. So we looked at what are ways we can reduce some of that administrative overhead? How can we present Slack as a singular starting page experience that just brings together all of the information that they need to pay attention to? The KPIs, the places where there's maybe deal alerts or places where they need approvals. Uh, on a specific uh, account or contract, um, anything that requires their attention, including, and maybe most importantly, updating their opportunities. And this is something that we found a lot of reps tended to defer or just mm. not want to do because it was tedious and it took time and maybe they just defer, you know, put it off until the end of the week and there was no time to do it. So we brought that experience directly into Slack homepage. So you can actually mass edit your opportunities directly from Slack. Uh, and that, again, cuts down on the amount of time it would typically take to do that process, but it also increases the likelihood that it'll get done. So your forecast ends up becoming significantly stronger just because people are now suddenly more inclined. There's less friction for them to actually do that daily or weekly process of updating their opportunities. Great examples of how you can empower um, employees through Slack to improve the experience, you know, th their personal experience, make them more efficient, really make them feel just better about how they're performing. Absolutely. Um, 
easier to do their jobs. Okay, one last question, and I'm going to circle back to that behavioral data. Um, you know, how can we build trust with employees as as you kind of gather that behavioral data from applications like Slack? Um, do you see much concern um, around this? I definitely have seen quite a lot of it, and it comes in different forms depending on region. So, for example, in Europe. Uh, we tend to work with customers that have workers councils or works councils in some form mm -hmm. and those employee unions tend to dictate uh, what tools inside the organization can be utilized for what they call employee performance management and so in some cases the it organization needs to be proactive in reaching out to uh, their employee unions or workers councils especially in europe to understand what kind of metrics they'll be using and utilizing it's been a long-standing thing that we've always thought about every time we introduce new metrics and reports is how do we make sure we're providing all the right affordances and slack so that if you do have to deal with some of these regulations like uh, employee unions or works councils that might have control over uh, what kind of performance management tools can be used that you can create a agreement with them that's uh, you know in a, in a way that feels safe for them so as an example message activity analytics in slack has a threshold it can only be used in public channels above 50 users and in part that was directly uh, based on feedback we've gotten from customers that said that way it mitigates it being perceived as a performance management tool and it's okay. now more perceived as okay this is just us understanding if we're putting messages in this public channel it's meant for you know mass communications is slack actually helping us to reach those targets uh, which teams and departments are actually consuming these messages great example and a great place to leave off um so steve thanks again for sharing with us i really enjoyed talking with you thanks and so listeners, and uh listeners thanks for tuning in Please do watch this channel for our next episode and check out all of our latest content on our website at www.metrogy.com. Till next time, take care, everybody.